filling the pulpit last Sunday morning and Sunday night. Many of you know that we were in Atwood, back where we spent a number of years. We had a father and son uh, day up there. They, they've been doing that for several years now, different fathers and sons preaching. And so uh, they got two speakers in Bible class and two Sunday morning preachers and two Sunday afternoon preachers. And we didn't keep them all that long, too much over time. But anyway, it was good to be there, get to see all of our family who got together there as well. Appreciate you letting us be gone. So thankful that you're here this morning. If you're a guest today, we want you to know that you're welcome. And we invite you to come and to be with us at any opportunity that you might have. What we've been doing on Sunday morning this year, of course, has been answering some of the greatest questions that have been, ever been asked. And what we're doing is looking at pages or questions that are taken from the pages of God's Word, directly from the pages of God's Word. And we'll continue to do that this morning. But before we get into our lesson itself and start dealing with the question, I'm reminded of something that happened on a television show a number of years ago. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, there was a show called Heart to Heart. Some of you may remember that. And I believe it may have been on the very first episode of that, uh, that uh, series that there was a scene, it opened up actually, the scene was that, that there were these two men on a boat, on a ship, and they were fighting. And uh, as the fight progressed, one of them eventually was thrown overboard, and uh, the boat was docked, and so once one had been thrown overboard, the other guy, he walked down the plank to the shore, and just as he pulled a walk down, there was a limousine that pulled up, and the man who was sitting in the rear of that limousine summoned the guy who had just thrown the other guy overboard off of the ship. He summoned him to his side, and he tells him his name. He looks at him and tells him, I'm so-and-so, and I'm a vice president for Hart Shipping Lines, and after what you have done, you'll never work for Hart Shipping Lines again. And so the man who had thrown the, the other guy off of the ship and was standing there, who was dressed like a, a worker from a dock or something, he, he looked at him and said, Well, if I don't work at Hart Shipping Lines, neither will you, because I'm Jonathan Hart, and I own Hart Shipping Lines. So get your fat, fired self out of my limousine. And so the man had to get out of the limousine, and Jonathan Hart got in. Now, I tell you that for this reason. There was one man who was there who thought he had some authority. Okay, the guy sitting in the back of the limousine thought he had some authority. But then there was the other guy who didn't look like he had any, but yet he did because he was the owner of the shipping line. Mr. Hart, in that case particularly, he had the authority. And so one thought he had authority, and another only, uh, one only thought he had authority, and another one did. Now, if you have your Bible, go back to the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. Uh, We've already had this read to us this morning, but in Mark, chapter 11, beginning in verse 27, the Bible says, And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? Who or by what authority are you doing these things? Now, there seems to be a couple of reasons that these men asked Jesus this particular question. 
If you back up to verse number 18 of Mark chapter 11, you'll find that the Bible says that they had heard uh, about Jesus and what he had done. And if you read the previous verses to that, it was on this occasion that he had, as it were, cleansed the temple. He had gone in and he had thrown over the money changers' tables and run them out and wouldn't let folks walk through the temple, the Bible says. But we know that as simply the cleansing of the temple. And so they want to know, by what authority are you doing these things? But then again, when we read the book of Matthew, chapter 21, at verse number 15, we understand that there was probably something else that was going on, because in Matthew's account of what happens here, the, the Bible tells us about how that Jesus had healed the blind man and the lame man in verse number 15, uh, 14, and verse number 15 tells us that the Pharisees and others had heard how the people had reacted to Jesus. They heard about what he had done, and they heard about how the people had reacted to him. And so they want to know, how is it that you, by what authority is it, are you being able to heal these people, but also are you going into the temple and driving out these people who have uh, uh, desecrated, if you will, the temple of God by the things that they were doing? They asked the question, by what authority are you doing these things? Now there are a couple of things that I want us to look at this morning, I want us to think about. I want us to simply realize that the Jews recognized the need for authority. They recognized that Jesus needed some authority. And again, in verse 28, when you see the question that they asked, that is very evident. If I were to ask you this morning to define the word authority, how would you do that? Well, there are some definitions that are given in dictionaries, such as authority is the power to require and receive submission. Uh, number two, the right to expect obedience. And number three, superiority derived from status that carries with it the right to command and give final decisions. Now those are technical, if you will, but we understand what authority is. You can ask even the smallest child who has a parent who is an authoritative figure what mom and daddy's going to do if, uh, if he doesn't mind them or if she doesn't mind them. And, and they at least recognize to some degree the, the concept of authority because many of them will indeed, they'll listen to mom and daddy. They, they understand. They may not could give you the technical term, the technical definition, but they understand that there is somebody who has the right, who has the power, and who deserves that that they can direct your life, direct the things that you are doing. But again, this morning, it's impossible for us to operate without authority. We need to remember that. Either someone sets the standards and the requirements for us or give the commands to us, or we ourselves set the requirements, the standards, and command ourselves. It's one way or the other. We've got someone else who does it, or we ourselves take it upon ourselves. You well remember what is said in the book of Judges, chapter 21, and verse 25. The Bible says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. When a person goes uh, to, the, to the extreme of doing only what he or she desires and wants to do, 
That, that's sort of what happened in the days of the judges. And we may simply recognize that as anarchy. We say anarchy reigns. Anarchy is a state of disorder due to the absence or the lack of recognition of authority. Now, we made the statement it's impossible <coughs> to operate without authority. Suppose, many of you may remember, and you can still do this, you know, at some stores, but many of you may remember going to the old country store. And, and uh, you could say, go to the, to the guy, some, most of the time, who owned the store, and, and you could tell that person, you say, I need a pound of bologna. And, and, you know, he'd go back behind the old meat case and he'd slice it off for you and put it on the scales and weigh it for you. But you go in and, and he gives you a piece of bologna about that big. You've ordered a pound of bologna and he sticks it on the toothpick and he hands it to you. And, and he says, well, that'll be uh, $3 for a pound of bologna. And, and, and you look at him and say, son, you're, you're full of bologna. That's not a pound. And he looks and says, well, it is in my store. Somebody has to be the authority. You know, just because you got a bite of bologna doesn't mean you actually have a pound of bologna. And it sure would be good to have the agriculture department come in and check his scales to set the standard for the authority and for, for what is a pound. I remember back in the mid-80s, before I started school at Faulkner, Marlene and I, along with my uncle, uh, we owned a, what we simply called the truck stop in Gwynn, Alabama. And I remember one day the guy from the, from the state, from the agriculture department, he get, drives up and he gets out of his vehicle and he gets out a little can that uh, had a, a gallon of gas and he walks over to the gas pump and he begins to pump to make sure that he was getting exactly what he paid for. So he could put the sticker, you may remember seeing the stickers on the, on the gas pumps. Now, now what if some service station said it's four dollars a gallon but you get a thimble full and he calls that a gallon you know we don't like that we understand that there has to be some kind of authority something that sets the standard for the way that we do things in the book of isaiah chapter 5 at verse number 20 the bible says woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Folks, if we had no need of authority, who decides good and evil? Who decides light and darkness? Who decides sweet and bitter? You see, we have to have an authority that lets us understand and all know what is good and what is right and what is wrong and what is evil. We have to have that authority. And, and if you didn't need that, why, why is there a woe attached to that passage? Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Woe is more than what you say to a horse. It's not even spelled the same way. But here it's the idea of that there is punishment that's attached to it. The idea of condemnation to one who would, would do these things. If there's no need for authority, then, then who is going to decide? And so, yes, the Jews recognized the, the need for authority, but in like manner, Jesus himself also recognized the need. You see, his question that he responds to the, to the uh, Jewish people, the Jewish leaders there with, 
also implies the need for authority. If you go back to the book of Mark chapter 11, look at verse number 30. Jesus asked the question, he says, Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And then he closes that by saying, Answer me. Was it from heaven or was it from man? His question about the baptism of John, it automatically implied that that they were acting under someone's authority when they either uh, uh, obeyed what John had said or they disobeyed it. And though he did not, though he did not state um, uh, where he got his authority from to the unbelieving Jewish leaders, he he at least implied that there was uh, the need for authority. You know, it's a tragedy that we have so many people in our world who rebel, rebel against authority. Uh, I say this, you know, not to offend or to hurt feelings, but have you ever seen someone with purple hair? Anybody? Have you ever seen someone born with purple hair? No, I've seen people with purple hair, but I've never seen anyone born with purple hair. You know, purple hair is just not a normal God-produced hair color, is it? Just not that way. And people who wear purple hair, and I'm not necessarily saying it's a wrong thing, but people who wear purple hair for the most part are simply doing that to make a statement, aren't they? They're doing it to make a statement. Their statement is, I'm bucking the system. I don't accept the usual standards that people would have. I'm making my own rules. Now use that example because, you know, we see that and it's becoming more common, but uh, the same thing has happened in the religious world, hasn't it? For example, have you ever heard of a church that uses mechanical instruments of music? Or women preachers? By the same standard that God didn't generally produce babies with purple hair, He didn't produce a church in the first century with mechanical instruments of music or women preachers. And so in the same sense, they have somewhat bucked the system saying, I don't accept the biblical standards. I don't accept biblical authority. I'm making my own rules. We can't do that in religion. We have to have authority for the things that we are doing. But you know what's even more sad than that? In our postmodern world, as it's sometimes described, the argument now is not necessarily about whether I have authority to say or to practice something in religion. It's about whether I need authority at all. I remember back in 1988 going to the Given Blakely Allen Hires debate in Neosho, Missouri. And Blakely, who was arguing for the use of mechanical instruments of music and so forth, shocked everyone almost who was there by making the argument that there was no authority needed. You don't have to have authority in religious matters. Wow. Jesus recognized the need for authority. The Jews recognized the need for authority. I read an article the other day 
just this past week in which a man argued that we don't need authority for what we do in religion because there are things in the Bible, uh, things that the Bible never specifically authorizes that we, that we all accept. Such as, here's his example, Bible translations. Nowhere in the Bible do you read about a translation of the Bible so we can do anything we want to. Well, now wait a minute. His argument doesn't hold water. What were the tongues? They were translations out of one language into another language for the people to read and to understand. And more than that, God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, how are we to do that? Well, we're to make it where they can understand it because if they can't understand it, we're only just talking. Our words are going out into the wind and no good is being done. And even more than that, when you when you go to the book of 1 Corinthians, they couldn't even stand up in a service and speak in a language that a person couldn't understand unless they had someone to interpret there so that they were, if there were those who spoke a different language, they could understand the language, understand what was being said, what was being sung, what was being prayed, so that they could say, Amen. And so, yes, indeed, there, there is precedent for that. And so, you know, the idea that people sometimes get that we don't need authority is not biblical, not even in the least. But again, this morning, you know what? The Jews also recognized the need for authority to be given. Remember the question, by what authority are you doing these things? And then they followed up by saying, who gave you this authority? Who gave it to you? They said, okay, so we need authority. And we, we may say this morning, okay, so we need authority, but where do we get it? Well, authority either lies within ourselves or someone gives it to us. The Jews implied that it must be given. And I would tend to agree with them in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 10, at verse 23. The Bible says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man to walk, who walks to direct his own steps. You know, what I think, what I feel, may not be what you think, may not be what you feel. And, and if we ruled ourselves that way, what would we have? Nothing but confusion. Nothing but trouble. And so, I would suggest to you that if we, if we take the authority for ourselves from ourselves, by ourselves, all it produces is conflict. But at the same time, we can turn to others and we can try to find another avenue from which we would get our authority. Listen to Jesus, what He said. Jesus suggested that there are two possible sources of authority. He asked about John's baptism, where did it come from, heaven or men? Heaven or men? Heaven or men? Jesus suggests these two, two possible sources of, uh, of authority. Now, now, let me say something to you, and I want you to listen very carefully this morning. Most of you have heard of a, a man who's called the Pope, a, a religious leader of a denominational group. He's called the Pope. And, and he is said to have the authority of God resting in him. 
when he speaks ex cathedra, when he speaks from uh, the throne in uh, the Vatican City, uh, he is supposed to be the voice of God, speaking for God. Now, if the Pope has all authority and someone could prove that the will of God uh, was for him to have that authority, then you know what we need to do? Whatever he says, if someone could prove that God had given him that authority, then we would need to do whatever he says, no matter what, because he would have the authority of God. In the same way, suppose that there was a, a denominational body, a governing board of some, some denominational group that, that had authority. And, and someone could prove that God intended for religious matters to be established in that way. Through a, through a board of, of some religious group. You know what we'd need to do? We'd need to listen to everything they had to say. But you know what? Even if we did, we'd still be listening to the authority of men, would we not? Someone, unless we recognize the fact that God had given the authority... You see, it either has to come from heaven or from men. But what about God? What about God? Does, does He qualify as being one who is superior, one who has the right to, to give commands and demand that we would listen to them? Listen to Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says about God, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are my ways, your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yes, indeed. God is so much above us that He deserves, He has the right, He has the power to demand that we submit to his authority. Amen. Now, I want you to consider something with me this morning. I, wa I want you to think about something. How would you have liked to have been Job and, and been on the receiving end of, of God's questions to him when, when God responded to Job? And we don't have time to read the entirety of it. Job uh, verses 38 through 40, or chapters 38 through 41. Let me just draw your attention to one passage which is relevant to, to things that are going on in our world today that, that helps us perhaps to understand something about authority even. Look at Job chapter 38 and drop down in your Bible to about verse number 8. Now Job is, God is talking to Job and he's asking him all these questions and and expecting God, or Job rather, or he asked Job, says, hey, respond, tell me this, answer this question. But I want you to notice in verse 8, who or who shut the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here you shall, shall your proud waves be stayed. You know, there, there are a lot of folks in our world 
who are worried about the ice melting in the Arctic and the Antarctic. And you know, one of the concerns they have, one of the concerns they have is, hey, when all of that melts, the oceans are going to rise and major cities are going to be flooded. People are going to be killed. Hogwash. Amen. God said, I told the sea, the oceans, where they stop. And you can't go any farther. We might be worried about climate change. But God Himself said there's always going to be summer and winter, spring and fall. And He says that, hey, the oceans are not going to flood the major cities and wash them away. I told them where they would have to stop. You know what? God is our authority, not just for religious matters. God rules the entire universe. Amen. All of it. And it all submits to Him. And so I would suggest to you this morning, God Himself is superior, and He does qualify. And if our source of authority is not from heaven, then we have the wrong source. But very quickly this morning, I want us to think about the biblical chain of authority. And this is something young people and older folks alike that you always, always, always need to remember. We're just going to look at it briefly this morning because of time limits, but I want you to consider it. Where, where does our authority come from? What, what, what is the source and what is the chain that gets it to you and to me? And This is important for us to recognize. Number one, as we think about the chain of authority, number one, it comes from the Father, God the Father. In the book of Genesis chapter 17, at verse number one, the Bible says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. I'm God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. You see, God has authority because of who He is. He is the self-existent One. He has authority because of what He did. He created all things and because He sustains all things. Number three. God the Father is the first link in the chain of Bible authority, in the chain of authority. Then number two, the Bible chain of authority also recognizes Christ the Son. Christ the Son. You do remember what is said in the book of Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, don't you? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he gives instructions as to what his apostles and as well uh, us as well, the things that we are to do. And so Jesus Christ is that second link in the chain of Bible authority. But then number three, the Bible chain of authority is the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, at verse number 26, the Bible says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Remember, we just read that Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. But the one who was going to reveal that was the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. 
But to whom was the Holy Spirit going to reveal it? Well, that brings us to the next link in the chain of authority, and that is the apostles. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And in particular, for our discussion this morning, look at verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples that they were to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, in particular, verse number 19, Jesus said to the apostles, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. But a more accurate translation will already have been bound in heaven. It came from God through Christ, through the Holy Spirit to them. Whatever they said goes. No wonder then in Ephesians 2 verses 19 and 20, the Bible says you're no longer talking to the, to the Ephesian uh, Gentile Christians. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse number 20, built on the foundation of the apostles. The things that they taught, the things that they said, those are the things that we are to remember. But then our final link is the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In summation form, we might find it in the book of John, chapter 16, if you look at verse 15. All that the Father has is mine. That's Jesus talking. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. But if you back up to verse 16, or 13, in the conversation Jesus is saying it, sort of backwards as to our lineup here. But he says in verse 13 of John 16, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He's talking to the apostles. And what did the apostles do? Well, they wrote it down. That Scripture, that God-breathed Scripture that you and I have, in our Bibles, that is our authority for the things that we are to do. And so today we'd simply observe the Bible is our exclusive standard of authority. Amen. It's not what somebody else in some other body or doctrine that they teach. It's what God says. If you can't find it in the Bible, young folks, if it's not taught by God and older folks alike. If God didn't teach us that, then we need to question it. And if He does teach us, whatever it is, we fill in the blank, if He does teach us by principle, by direct command, by uh, approved example that's found in the Word of God, if we do find it, then we're to follow it. We're to obey it. It is our standard by which you and I are to go. In the book of 2 John, verses 9 through 11, 
Everyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. And whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part of his wicked works. Listen to God. In the book of Revelation 22, verses 17 through 19, you don't add to and you don't take away from this book. It is, it is God's book and God has given us everything that we need. We could go through this morning a number of negative standards of authority. It's not subjective experiences. It's not human reasoning. It's not the will of our parents. It's not the will and practice of the majority or the will and practice of the minority that sets the standard for the things that we do in life and in religion. It's not the creeds of men, man preacher by the name of Ben Franklin, not the, not the founding father of our, one of the founding fathers of our nation, but a, a preacher. He said this, if in a creed there's one word more, then we have too much. If there's one word less, then we have too little. If we have no more and no less, then you don't have a creed, you just have the Bible. And that's what we are to base our practices and our thinking and all that we do upon. Let me close with this this morning. Some folks only think that they have authority. Stories told about three guys who were talking about their wives and and the amount of control that they had over their wives. And one of them, trying to make himself look good, said, you know what, just, this, just the other day, says, my wife came to me on her hands and knees. So the other two guys looked at him and said, well, what did she say? He said, she said, come out from under the bed and fight like a man. He may have thought he had some authority. Perhaps he didn't. We may think we have authority to do whatever we wish with our own life, in the way that we worship, in the way that we would be saved. We may think we have authority, but some folks only think they have authority. We're like the man sitting in the back of the limousine. There is someone who is greater than we are. And the one who is greater than us is God. By what authority do you do the things that you do in your life? See, that's the question that the Jewish leaders ask Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? I'm asking you the same question this morning. By what authority are you doing the things that you are doing in your life? And just like the Jews asked Jesus, who gave you that authority? Did you assume it on your own? Or did you receive it from God? Did it come from heaven? Or did it come from man? You see, we have to Answer that, and we have to answer that very truthfully. Because if we 
if we take upon ourselves what is not ours, if we decide that we're going to be the sole authority in our own life, in the way that we, what we teach, in the way that we, we act, we're wrong. And we will be judged by the one who is the authority, the one who sits on the throne, the God of heaven. And so we ask ourselves the question, by what authority are we doing, and then fill in the blank, by what authority are we doing these things? And if our allegiance is not to the right authority, then perhaps we need to change. And make a change in our life, make a change in our practices. Maybe we do. It may be this morning that <clears throat> you need to become a Christian. To be baptized for the remission of your sins. It may be today that you need to come back to the Lord. If we can assist you in any way, why don't you come right now as we stand?